Hello, this is R.J. Deacon, reading the Supreme Court of the United States Opinion Syllabus in Guerrero Las Brilla v. Barr, Attorney General. Certiori to the United States Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit, argued December 9, 2019, decided March 23, 2020. The Immigration and Nationality Act provides for judicial review of a final government order directing the removal of an alien from this country. 8 U.S.C. Section 1252A. Section 1252A2 Cap C limits the scope of that review where the removal rests upon the fact that the alien has committed certain crimes. And Section 1252A2 Cap D, the limited review provision, says that in such instances, courts may only consider constitutional claims or questions of law. Petitioners Guerrero Lasprilla and Ovalis, aliens who lived in the United States, committed drug crimes and were subsequently ordered removed. Guerrero Lasprilla in 1998 and Ovalis in 2004. Neither filed a motion to reopen his removal proceedings within 90 days of the date of entry of the final administrative order of removal. The Section 1229A. C7 cap CI. Nonetheless, Guerrero Lasprilla in 2016 and Ovalis in 2017 asked the Board of Immigration Appeals to reopen their removal proceedings, arguing that the 90-day time limit should be equitably told. Both petitioners, who had become eligible for discretionary relief due to various judicial and board decisions years after their removal, rested their claim for equitable tolling on Lugio Resendez versus Lynch, in which the Fifth Circuit held that the 90-day time limit could be equitably, equitably told, the board denied both petitioners' requests, concluding, inter alia, that they had not demonstrated the requisite due diligence. The Fifth Circuit denied their request for review, holding that, given the limited review provision, it lacked jurisdiction to review the petitioner's factual due diligence claims. Petitioners contend that whether the board incorrectly applied the equitable tolling due diligence standard to the undisputed facts of their cases is a question of law that the provision authorizes courts of appeals to consider. The Supreme Court held uh, the decision is... Uh, vacated and remanded, and Justice Breyer delivered the opinion of the court. Because the provision's phrase, questions of law, includes the application of a legal standard to undisputed or established facts, the Fifth Circuit erred in holding that it had no jurisdiction to consider petitioners' claims of due diligence for equitable tolling purposes. Nothing in the statute's language precludes the conclusion that Congress used the term questions of law to refer to the application of a legal standard to settled facts. Indeed, this court has at times referred to the question whether a given set of facts meets a particular legal standard as presenting a legal inquiry. See Nitzke versus Williams that says uh, Rule 12b-6 authorizes a court to dismiss a claim on the basis of a dispositive issue of law. Uh, Mitchell versus Forsyth says the appealable issue is purely a purely legal one, whether the facts alleged support a claim of violation of clearly established law. 
Um, Nelson versus Montgomery Ward says the effect of admitted facts is a question of law. That judicial usage indicates that the statutory term questions of law can reasonably encompass questions about whether settled facts satisfy a legal standard. The court has sometimes referred to such questions as mixed question of law and fact. See U.S. Bank versus Village at Lake Ridge. And the court has often used the phrase mixed questions in determining the proper standard for appellate review of a district, bankruptcy, or agency decision that applies a legal standard to underlying facts. But these cases present no such question involving the standard of review. And in any event, nothing in those cases, nor in the language of the statute, suggests that the statutory phrase questions of law excludes the application of law to settled facts. Long-standing presumption, the statutory context, and the statute's history all support the conclusion that the application of law to undisputed or established facts is a question of law within the meaning of Section 1252A2 Cap D. Well-settled and strong presumption. A well-settled and strong presumption, uh, McNary versus Haitian Refugee Center, favors the judicial review of administrative action. Kusiana uh, versus Holder. That presumption, which can only be overcome by clear and convincing evidence of congressional intent to preclude judicial review, Reno versus Catholic Social Services, has consistently been applied to immigration statutes, Kusiana, and there is no reason to make an exception here, because the court can reasonably interpret the statutory term questions of law to encompass the application of law to undisputed facts, and given that a contrary interpretation would result in a barrier to meaningful judicial review, the presumption indicates that questions of law does indeed include mixed questions. The limited review provision's immediate statutory context belies the government and the dissent's claim that questions of law excludes the application of law to settled facts. The provision is part of Section 1252, which also contains Section 1252b9, the zipper clause. The zipper clause is meant to consolidate judicial review of immigration proceedings into one action in the Court of Appeals. See uh, INS versus state or ST period CYR, whatever that meant. Um, the zipper clause's language makes clear that Congress understood the statutory term questions of law and fact to include the application of law to facts. One interpretation of the zipper clause, at the very least, disproves the government's argument that Congress consistently uses a three-part typology that such questions of law cannot include mixed questions. And another interpretation, that questions of law in the zipper clause includes mixed questions, directly supports the holding here and would give the term the same meaning as in the zipper clause in the limited review provision. The provision's statutory history and relevant precedent also support this conclusion. The provision was enacted in response to INS versus State Seer, I'm going to assume that is, St. Steer, uh, in which the court interpreted the predecessor of 
Section 1252A2 Cap C to permit habeas corpus review in order to avoid the serious constitutional questions that would arise from a contrary interpretation. Um, in doing so, the court suggested that the Constitution, at a minimum, protected the writ of habeas corpus as it existed in 1789. The court then noted the kinds of review that were traditionally available in a habeas proceeding, which included detentions based on errors of law, including the erroneous application or interpretation of statutes. Congress took up the court's invitation to provide an adequate substitute for habeas review through the courts of appeals. It made clear that the limits on judicial review in various Section 1252 provisions included habeas review, and it consolidated virtually all review of removal orders in one proceeding in the courts of appeals. Congress also added the limited review provision, permitting a review of constitutional claims or questions of law. Congress did so. The statutory history strongly suggests because it sought an adequate substitute for habeas in view of St. Cyr's guidance. If questions of law in the provision does not include the misapplication of a legal standard to undisputed facts, then review would not include an element that St. Cyr said was traditionally reviewable in habeas. Lower court precedents citing St. Cyr and legislative history also support this conclusion. The government's additional arguments in favor of its contrary reading are unpersuasive. More than that, the government's interpretation is itself difficult to reconcile with the provision's basic purpose of providing an adequate substitute for habeas review. The decision below is vacated and remanded. Justice Breyer delivered the opinion of the court, in which Chief Justice Roberts and Justices Ginsburg, Sotomayor, Kagan, Gorsuch, and Kavanaugh joined. Justice Thomas filed a dissenting opinion, in which Justice Alito joined as to all but Part 2A1. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get a hold of the podcast, we can be reached at rhodesscholar80 at gmail.com, that's R-O-A-D-S and 8-0, or on Twitter at Court Syllabus.